We're talking right now about the measure of maturity, what maturity looks like. And uh, last week, James talked about love, how it all boils down to this thing of love. This week, I was reflecting on uh, uh, Christmas with my, uh, with my family, and uh, at Christmas, my brother brought out his guns. He... Uh, he likes guns. He's in, yeah, no, not, not these guns. His, his guns. He's, he's into guns. And he wanted us to enjoy his passion. And so uh, he took us out into the backyard and he, we set up some targets and he pulled out a gun. And as he's handing it to me, obviously my first question is, is the safety on? But after that, um, my next question was, how do I aim? How do I aim? But it's, it's another thing to know how to aim, right? And, uh, and today, uh, I think we're here because, you know, all of us would say we understand that, yeah, it's about love. It, it, it all boils down to this thing of love, but, but what does that look like? And, and how do we actually aim for love, right? Uh, I want to take some time to talk about that today and actually... Uh, beginning with a scripture where Paul talks about aiming at love. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, verses 5 to 7, he says this. He says, but the aim of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have strayed from these and turned away to empty discussion. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not understand what they are saying or the things they insist on so confidently. Paul is writing to Timothy at Ephesus, and at Ephesus, in the church, amongst the believers, there were those that were engaging in fruitless discussion, that wanted to be teachers, but Paul says, you're missing the point. The aim of it all is love. It's love, right? And that's what we're going after as a church. You know, it's, it's great to see more more bums and seats here on a Sunday, and to see this place filling up, right? But our aim is not to be a bigger church. Our aim is not to have a better production. Our aim is to know and receive, live in the love of God, our Father, for ourselves, and out of that place to live in love with one another. That's the aim. That's what we're going after. And Paul talks about, he, he adds some things here to how we can go after that aim. This is the aim of our instruction is love. As he says, it comes from a pure heart. Pure. Uh, that word originally means it clean or not soiled. Uh, but later on, it, be, it became used of things like corn, where it was winnowed and the chaff was completely taken out of the corn. It was used of an army where those cowardly or uh, fighters that didn't want to be there went home, and all that was left was the first-class fighters. For us, a heart that, that's pure is a heart that's free from mixed motives. A love that's not a, a desire to prove herself. 
It's not a need to manage our image. It's not an attempt to force our, our will. It's not a judgment of one another. It's pure. A love that comes from a pure heart. He says a good conscience. A good conscience is how we know that our hearts are pure. It's how we know that our love isn't mixed. Right? It's this, this knowing within oneself where if your heart is pure, then your conscience isn't offended. A pure heart, a good conscience, and he says a sincere faith. A sincere faith. And for me, this is the foundation. This is ultimately the starting point and the point in which we, we, we go back to and we live from every single day of our lives and what leads us in and compels us to ultimately love one another. It's a sincere faith. It's knowing and believing and receiving of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate example and expression of love. Amen? Amen. And the only way that we can actually love people the way that God has called us to love is by knowing and receiving his love for us. We can't give what we don't have. We can't lead people in something that we haven't received for ourselves. And so church, let this be our starting point. He loves you. He loves you. <laughs> he loves you. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that you can do to change that. There's nothing that you can do to change that. There's nothing that you could do that would separate you from that. So let me tell you, get used to it. Get used to it. Get used to his love. Get comfortable in that place. Are you with me? Learn how to, how to just, just soak it in. Learn how to receive it for yourself until it becomes second nature in the place where you live from every single day of your life. God's love for us is not just to be a starting point for us. It's to be the place that we live from every single day. When Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. He doesn't say start in my love. He says remain. Remain. Dwell. Camp out. Right? Rest in my love. This is a truth that we need to get a hold of if we're to live in love with one another. This is the how, ultimately. Because when it comes to loving others, we're not just called to love the people that are like us. We're not just called to love the, the people in this room, right? We're called to love the prickly people. We're called to love the people that, are, that have different views, that have different beliefs, that have different perspectives than we do, that do things in an entirely different way. Those people who are rude, those people who are mean, those people who are angry, right? Those people who seem to have no concept of, of, of grace, those people who are, are selfish, who are demanding, who don't seem to care about other people, right? Who use people to their own advantage. It's those people who, who aren't, aren't like us, who, who don't like us, who want nothing to do with us. We're called to love them as much as everyone else. And that my friends, is a really difficult thing to do. It's an impossible thing to do apart from the love of Jesus Christ. It's exactly what we're called to do, but the way in which we do that is getting a hold of God's heart 
for us. I need to be filled with this love. And as we're in worship this morning, and I'm going, dear God, how am I going to talk this morning? Because I'm just getting so rocked by your presence. I was just reminded of his heart for every single one of us to be filled, to be filled with his love. He wants to fill you this morning, right here, right now. He wants to fill you moment by moment, day by day, with his love, with his perfect love, with his love that just roots out fears and breaks down barriers, and his love that ultimately compels us to love others, where it's not a, like, a, okay, yeah, the mark of maturity is love. I got to work at this thing. I got to fight to love. This is so hard. I can't do this. It's a, I can't help but do this. He just loves me, and I know it, and it just spills over into the lives of the people around me. Make that your starting point. Live from that place. Remind yourself every day of his love, every single day. You know, I think about, about John and, and throughout his gospel, his confession, he doesn't call himself by John, he calls himself the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't think that's a prideful, arrogant confession where he's going, hey guys, he loves me more than he loves you. Well, I think it is, is it's, it's John getting a hold of and embracing the truth of who he actually is, of his identity, of the fact that he is loved. He is the beloved. And this is a truth that you and I need to get a hold of. You know, don't be shy about it. He loves you. He loves you. Boast about it because it's true. And the more that you get a hold of that truth, the more that you will live in love with everyone around you. Remind yourself of it. One of the things that I love doing is when I'm expressing my love for God, and I say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'll follow that up by saying, I love you because you love me. I love you because you love me. The only reason I love you is because you love me. And the only way I can love other people is by understanding the love that he has for me. You with me? Remind yourself of it. Receive it, church. Be filled with his love. His spirit is in you. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of love, the power, self-discipline. Be filled with his love. I think another thing that is so important for us is that we begin to see other people the way that he does. If I'm to live in love with other people, then I need to begin to see them as he does. I love what Pete Scazzaro talks about in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, in calling people unrepeatable image bearers. I love that phrase, unrepeatable image bearers. Inestimable treasures. That's beautiful to me. Ultimately, every person is an original. Every one of us is a unique masterpiece, and we're made in God's image. You know, when God created the world, he spoke it into being, but when God made man, he fashioned man with his own hands. He got down and dirty, right? He got personal with his own hands. Every one of us in, the, in this room is alive today because of his breath. Every single one of us here is a carrier of his glory, is a reflection of who he is. We are made in his image. We're made in his image, right? 
And the more that we get a hold of that truth, the more that we stop treating people as objects, we stop treating them as a means to an end or, or see, you know, see them as a project, but we understand them for who they really are and we treat them as they deserve. This, this has changed my relationship so much. When I step back and go, I don't understand you. I'm frustrated by you. I don't get why you're doing what you're doing. But you're made in his image. You're a reflection of my dad. And you're worthy of his love. All right. Let's get really practical. I want to share with you uh, just five things, and there's a whole host of other things that you could do to really live out the how of love and to not just, not just uh, know that, okay, the goal is love and us becoming love, but here's, here's some ways that you can actually practice this in your everyday life, in the relationships with the people around you. Uh, and in talking about this, I want to I go to a scripture that I absolutely love and I go back to again and again and again. I've probably preached on it before here. I'm not sure. John chapter 21. I love this story. I'm going to read it quickly. It's a lengthy one, so hang on. In John 21, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And no, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved uh, <laughs> said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it. You've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, uh, he said to him, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. I want to talk to you about five ways right now that you can live in love. You can 
aim at love. You can prioritize love within your relationships. You can grow in, mature in love. Number one is this. Prioritize connection. Prioritize connection. I love this story because Jesus doesn't show up and go, guys, what are you doing? What about the mission? I haven't called you to be fishers of fish. I called you to be fishers of men. Come on, let's go. Right? I mean, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but how often do I do this in my everyday life where I'm more about the task at hand than the hearts of the people involved? Jesus here, he prioritizes connection. He starts with breakfast. I love a good breakfast. I don't know about fish for breakfast. That's not really my thing. But I I love this picture of Jesus making breakfast for his disciples because it reminds me that God is so much more than just about getting the job done. He's after our hearts. Right? His desire is for more than just workers. He calls us his friends. And his priority is connection. It's in us knowing and being with him. And for me, this is especially something I'm learning with my kids. I'm learning the need to slow down. Because as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, love is patient. It's it's patient. Hard one for my kids, for me with my kids, because they are mighty slow at times. Some things seem to take forever. And not just getting to church on Sunday, but unpacking their hearts and their emotions and just, it can take a while, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for me to get them to do what I, I, I want by forcing them. Most of them, I can just force to do what I want. All of them, I can scare into listening to me and being obedient to me. But how many you know, in that place, I'm not prioritizing connection. I'm not living out of, out of relationship or modeling love to them. And if what I really want is for them to know and live in the love of God and to love others, but what I'm modeling to them is anger, is fear, is disapproval, what do you think I'm going to get? How's that going to turn out? I, I, I'm seeing this as the everyday messes of life. Okay? Messes are opportunities to strengthen connection. Yesterday we had a family over from the church at our house, and as we're preparing for them to come over and we're getting the house clean, I find this, this purple glitter nail polish bottle on the, on the floor. And so I go to pick it up, only to realize that the lid is not on this bottle, and purple nail polish spills all over the carpet. And the first thing out of my mouth is, eat it! <laughs> Thank God she wasn't there. <laughs> she was upstairs, because it gave me a moment to breathe, and to go, hold on here, hold on. Okay, all right. What's this all about? What am I going after here? Is this about me making sure that this doesn't happen again? 
Is this about me making sure that my daughter knows that she's in the wrong? Or is this an opportunity for her to know her dad's heart? And for connection? You know? And I feel like yesterday, after I yelled her name, I got it right. But I, I could give you all kinds of examples where I've gotten it wrong, probably even today. But if we are to live in love, and if we are to see love mature in our lives, and to grow in love in, in, in relationship with the people around us, I, I really believe one of the biggest things that we need to do is we need to prioritize connection. What matters above all else is the heart, is connecting with their heart, and maintaining that connection, right? That's what we see with Jesus here and, and disciples and him pulling aside Peter. Peter, do you love me? Right? He's going after his, his heart. Yeah, he could use him to build his, his, his church, but he doesn't just want to use him. He wants his heart because in that place, he can use him to do anything. Prioritize connection. All right, that's a big one. I'm going to move faster now. Number two, be present. Be present. In order for us to connect with others, we need to be present with them. Not on our phones, not in our heads, not somewhere else, but with them in the moment. You see, love is not about using people. It's not about fixing people. It's not about teaching people. It's about being present with people. It's about entering into their world, to know them, to serve them, because I am committed to them. No doubt, I'd imagine Peter's been contemplating his future, going, oh, what do I do now? Just will go back to fishing, right? No doubt he has been, he's been reflecting on his past and feeling bad about what he's done, how he's abandoned and utterly denied Jesus, right? Jesus meets him where he's at. Just in the moment. Do you have any fish? I love that. We need to put aside our agenda. We need to seek to understand. We need to really listen to people. Because what it leads to is people feeling heard, people being understood, and them feeling loved. It leads to greater trust, it leads to greater vulnerability, ultimately greater connection. One of the things that we can do, and, and this is something that we go through on Alpha, that we teach and train our leaders on Alpha, is to get curious. Like, get this, this, this holy curiosity. Like, like to, to not just know the what in people's lives, but what's behind that? Why? How did that make you feel? Seek to understand, to explore, to get curious about who they are, about how they understand things, about what they feel. Asking questions and really listening can make all the difference in someone feeling and knowing his love. It's how we can be present in their lives. Be present. Number three, refrain from judgment. Refrain from judgment. We tend to judge people about everything all the time. We judge people about how they behave, the choices that they make, the beliefs that they hold. We judge people for what they say, what they do, 
what they eat, what they wear. We judge people for all kinds of things. And essentially what we're doing when we judge them is we're looking down on them. We're, we're seeing ourselves as superior to other people and not as actually equals. And we, we assume it's our job to, to educate them and to get them to agree with us and to do things our way, but ultimately that is not love. James talked about this this last week when he talked about taking the log out of our own eye, as, as Matthew 7 says, so that we can, we can find the sawdust in somebody else's eye. We all got logs in our eyes, guys. And we got to be honest about the fact that, you know, we're as broken as everybody else. We're no better than anyone else, right? When we live in judgment, what it leads to is division. What it leads to is withholding love. What it leads to is is us distancing ourselves, and rather than entering into somebody else's world, we make all kinds of assumptions about who they are. And it keeps us from, from receiving them as a gift that they are and from us living out of love. One of the things that I found really helpful in my own relationships and guarding against assumptions is to just assume the best. You know, this, this makes a big difference. Uh, you know, in, in your families, in your marriages, in your, in your friendships, even with your coworkers, instead of immediately assuming the negative, when you don't understand what they're saying or why they're doing what they're doing, and it's already rubbing you the wrong way, take a step back and choose to assume the best. Choose to believe the best, especially when it comes to your spouse. I mean, come on. Your spouse does not get up in the morning and go, how can I make sure that they have a bad day today? <laughs> they don't. Now, they're different. They're totally different. And they're, you know, there's definitely going to be times where you're like, why do you got to be like that? why are you doing things that way? But it's not wrong, it's just different, right? And one of the ways that we can maintain that connection and strengthen that bond is by taking a step back and assuming the best. That's huge. And, and, and guarding ourselves from judgment in our relationships. I find silence really helps with this, to explore actually what's going on in my heart. Refrain from judgment. Number four, embrace conflict. Embrace conflict. You can't love well and at the same time avoid conflict. 1 John 4, 20, we talked about it last week. It says you can't love God and hate your brother. Right? Love means we don't pretend and act like everything's okay when it's, when it's not. We've got to speak the truth. We gotta be honest about what's going on inside of us if we're to live in love. Otherwise, it's not really love. That's why, why Jesus says, listen, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or your sister is something against you before, you know, leave, leave your gift there and, and go and be reconciled them, to them first. Go deal with that and then come and offer your gift. And that might be a scary thing for us. I, I don't know, I hate conflict, right? But I'm learning to recognize that what's on the other side of that is actually greater connection. It's greater connection. It's authentic love. 
Here in this passage, we see Jesus dealing with a big conflict, right? Peter's abandoned him. He's denied him, right? This is a big conflict. But we have all kinds of little conflicts in our lives every single day. And it's not just about dealing with the big conflicts. It's about dealing with the little ones, those little disconnects in our relationships with the people around us. You know, when somebody says something that, that, you know, is feels off to us, that we slow down and we go, I'm sorry, did I I say something that upset you? You know, when you're around somebody at church and for whatever reason they seem to be treating you a little bit differently and you're like, I don't know what's going on here, that you take the time to explore that. Rather than just avoid it, just stop and and ask the person, no, I'm I'm sorry, did, did did I do something? to upset you? Are we okay? Why? Because we love. And because we're prioritizing connection. And so rather than avoiding conflict, we're embracing it because we recognize that this is key to us going deeper and ultimately living in love. Number five, this is the last one. Although I'm sure there's many more. Uh, if we're to aim at love and practice love, grow in love, ultimately it comes down to dying to ourself. Dying to ourself. Jesus asked Peter this question three times. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I love it because it's never a question of does Jesus love him? <laughs> do you love me? And out of that place, Peter says, yeah, I love you. And Jesus says, all right, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. It's, it looks like feeding my lambs. It looks like taking care of my, my sheep. It looks like feeding my sheep. You see there, it's completely other focused. Love is other focused. It's not about Peter. As Peter knows and receives and lives in the love of God, out of that place, his focus now is on loving others. It's completely other focused. And that's what real love is. Real love is not about me. It's selfless. Definition of love is ultimately this. It's sacrificing myself for the benefit of somebody else. That's the example that we see in Jesus, right? That's love. And that's what maturity looks like. I I, I love here how at the end Jesus says, when you were younger, Peter, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will lead you Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go, right? That's maturity when you're old. It's living out of that place of surrender. It's living out of that place of I have died to myself. I have died to what I want. I have died to looking out for me. I have died to trying to prove myself or maintain my image or, you know, to, to, to get approval from other people. I, I don't care about me, right? Because I know how loved I am. And I'm living out of his love every single day of my life. And I don't need you to love me in order to love you. His love is enough for me. I have leftovers. I love it. Because this is how the story starts, right? It starts with leftovers. Jesus goes, hey guys, you got any fish? Nope. Throw your net in the other side of the boat. And they had so many fish, they couldn't haul it in. They counted them. 
They were so, they were so excited. 153, right? And I just see in that Jesus telling his disciples, listen, I will look after you if you trust me, if you follow me, if you die to yourself and surrender yourself, I will look after you. You will have more than enough so that you can look after them. He looks after us. We don't need to worry about ourselves. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is what love looks like. It doesn't look like focusing on me. What about me? What's in it for me? It doesn't look like talking about me all the time. Right? It looks, it looks like me slowing down to prioritize connecting with you, to knowing you, to valuing you for who you are, to entering into your world, to receiving you as the gift that you are. Right? to loving you for you, to serving you because I've got more than enough for me. That's love. And that's the journey that God has each and every one of us on. The starting point is this. Be filled with his love. Church, he loves you. Let's live out of that place and grow in love with one another. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that it doesn't stop it's more than enough. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But it's perfect. And it's for us. You love us. You love us. And out of that place, we love you. Teach us to love like you love us. For your glory, O oh God. And so that others might come to know of your love as well. May that define us. May that be our aim, Lord. May that be be what, what describes us as a church, O oh Lord. May that be the place that we live from, the fullness of your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.